your brokenness. Where does that come from? For some of us, it's things that we have done to ourselves, to others. It's decisions that only we are responsible for and we later recognize through their consequences they were unwise or wrong or foolish and we hurt other people or we hurt ourselves or both. Brokenness may also come from something someone else has done that was utterly devastating in its impact on you, on people you love, on the person who did it or didn't do it. But I would argue that brokenness is common to all of us. That this is not something that a few of us struggle with while others uh, live victoriously uh, without any sense of brokenness in their hearts or lives. And so, I guess the question becomes, what does God want for us in our brokenness? What does He want to say to us? What does He want to bring out of us? What does He want for the sake of His glory and progress in this world to come out of the experiences that leave us broken. And Romans chapter 8, as we've been sort of jumping through different pieces of it throughout this series, is a powerful articulation of the fact that God's love can handle our brokenness. It can truly handle anything. Um, I spoke last week about uh, a, a passage in Romans chapter 1 and its impact on Martin Luther. And I want to, I'm going to quote one line of Martin Luther that is uh, disturbing when you first hear it. Uh, but he said this, sin boldly. Think about that for a minute. Sin boldly. Here's what he meant. There is nothing that you can do that will disqualify you from God's love. And to emphasize his point, to make sure that everybody understood what he was saying, he said, then sin boldly. That's a bold statement. Uh, I don't think as a pastor, my best pastoral advice to you would be to sin boldly, right? But the theological point that Luther was making was that you are secure in God's love. Through Jesus Christ, through His sacrifice for you, through His imparting of His righteousness to your soul, as he forgives your sins, takes your sins away, and gives to you his righteousness, goodness, you're good. 
There's nothing you can do to undo what Jesus has done. This passage in Romans makes that emphatically clear. So let's let's take a look at the various aspects of how God's love handles our brokenness. First, God's love handles our brokenness because we can find healing in the Son. Jesus quotes the book of Isaiah in his, uh, or reads from the scroll of Isaiah in the, in the synagogue in Nazareth, and when he sits down, he says to everyone who's just astounded at what they just heard, he says, this has been fulfilled in your presence today. In other words, this is why I'm here, to bind up the broken. We must look to the one who fulfilled God's word in coming to us. This is the Christ. So I'll just, um, did you see in the passage from uh, Luke, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, in verse 18. That word anointed in Hebrew is the word we get Messiah from, and in Greek, it's the word we get Christ from. It's, it's, Christ is the Greek word for anointed. Uh, anointing with oil was a way of, of symbolically denoting who the king was or who the prophet was or whoever uh, the priest was at the time they were uh, commissioned into their office. And so that, that visible symbol, sort of like we had one here this morning too, actually, um, was applied to the person who was taking that office. And Jesus gets up and says, it's me, I have come. And the reason I have come is to deal with the brokenness in this world. And so we are reminded to look to him, the one who came in fulfillment of God's word. He came in the power of the Spirit Luke 4.18 tells us, and he came with the blessing, the anointing of the Father. He was commissioned by God for this purpose, to enter into our brokenness and to bind up our broken hearts and let them heal. We must renew our hope in Christ. Let me be as clear as I can. If you have known Jesus your entire life, and you've never doubted his existence, his sovereignty, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, you and I still need to renew our hope in Christ. He is the source of all spiritual strength and grace and forgiveness and love. We need him. And so, I would put it this way, the Christian who thinks they've got it is in trouble. 
The Christian who recognizes our need to renew constantly our hope in Christ is in a good posture before God to grow and move in his will. We're to renew our hope in Christ. We're reminded in these verses that in him we find freedom from sin and suffering and the consequences of our sin and the sins of others. Freedom, we are reminded. Liberty to the captives, it says. We're to find freedom from sin and suffering and we're to find favor from God. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Can I just... So, that moment that we shared with those two beautiful children earlier today, um, how precious those moments are. That is the way that God looks at each one of us. You enjoy His favor, His blessing, His cherishing of who you are. He loves you, He's crazy about you, and He will never stop. He is unrelentingly loving. And so, we have this truth that we live in the state of God's favor. So, healing is found in the Son. That's why He came, to enter into human brokenness and to make a difference, an impact on our lives. We find healing in the Son and we find help in the Spirit. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that we are to come to Him in weakness. To remember that He is there for you And that he gets you. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This gift of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of God's people is life. It's the deposit of God within us that guarantees that he will finish what he started. And we'll, we'll talk about that more in a minute. So, the Son forgives us. We find healing in him and we find present help through the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's with you. He's in this with you, and he gets you. Um, One of the uh, crazy frustrations of marriage, if you've ever tried this, right, is we don't always get each other. And my wife and I have been living in the same room for 24 years. We still don't get each other. And there are days where we completely miss each other. 
And God says, not only am I there, not only am I alive within you, but I understand what you need better than you do. So pray. That's a good exercise. And when you do, know that I'm literally changing what you pray into what you should have prayed while it's going out from your heart. I will take what you're trying to say and package it up and deliver it to the throne of grace on your behalf so that it gets there and it's heard and you're known and responded to and cared for. And so we're told that we find this present help in the Spirit. We're to come to Him in weakness and we're to open our hearts to Him. To let the Spirit search us. This is not easy for me. I don't like to be searched. I don't like people in my stuff. Um, <clears throat> this drives my wife crazy sometimes, but you know, we learn to deal with each other. But my calling in Christ is to yield to the, to the movement of the Holy Spirit in my own heart, to be honest with God about who I am and who I am not. Um, because in some ways, I, I assure you, I think much more highly of myself than the Spirit does. But in other ways, I don't have nearly the view of myself that God does. He gets me. He knows me. He loves me. He sees who I truly am, and he sees my potential in spite of my shortcomings. And so our hearts are to be open, to let him search us, and to follow him into God's will God's will can be extremely difficult to discern in the activity of life. There are lots of distractions. There are lots of competition for what seems best. And God says, if, if you will open your heart and follow the leading of my Holy Spirit, I will lead you into God's will. I will lead you there. Maybe not on your first try. But I will, I will get you to where you need to be. But please, I can tell you from experience, it's much easier when I yield, when I listen, when I let the Spirit lead me rather than my opinions or my appetites or whatever else might be competing for my attention. So we find healing in the sun and help, present, true active help in the Spirit. And we are to find, Paul reminds us, purpose in the Father. We have to learn to love God. It is a growing process. And life will often give us reasons to doubt, to not trust, to have fear. And we are taking all these things up in this series, right? We've already looked at fear. Next week, we'll look at doubt. Um, 
But we have to learn what it means to love God. Let me try to straighten out a couple things. <clears throat> this little passage, Romans 8.28 in particular, is often, how shall I say it, used too quickly. Let's say there's been a tragedy in your life, a meaningless tragedy, whatever the pain may be. If someone says to you, hey, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. I'm willing to wager that's not going to feel very helpful to you. Okay? Is it true? Yes. Is it helpful in that moment? Not necessarily. We have to come, we have to wrestle through the struggles of life to reach the point where we can lift our heads and say, all things will work towards good. God will bring good out of evil at some point. And I may not get it now. I may not see it now. I may not feel it now. But I do know that he's good. And I do know he's at work. And I do know that he brings good out of evil. And so, it's true, but if we shortcut that wrestling through the pain, we are not yielding ourselves in openness to the Holy Spirit, and we're short-circuiting the work of God in our hearts. I'll try to get back to this verse. It's a call that we need to learn to love God, to learn to trust Him to bring good out of bad, and to know that you are in His plan. Regardless of how it feels in the moment, He's got this. He, he will bring good out of bad every time. Let me just try to be clear about a couple of things. God does not cause evil. Theologically, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does say he is sovereign over everything, which means he's responsible for everything in the universe, but he doesn't cause evil. If... <clears throat> A tree falls on your house, it's not because you sinned the day before that, okay? Um, it's because the wind blew the tree over onto your house. Uh, it's not because God's out to get you. It may feel like he is, but that's not the way God works. He doesn't cause evil, not that that's a great illustration of evil, but he doesn't cause evil. What he does is he moves into the wake of evil and brings about redemptive good. This is what he does best, actually. He steps into the most difficult situations that life can bring, 
and he brings about redemption and good. And we have to learn over time to love and trust him and to know that we are part of a much bigger plan, that he's going somewhere with us. Paul, in this section of Romans chapter 8, is very, very, very clear about the fact that God has a plan. Did you hear those words? I don't know how we could be any more clear. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is a picture of a God who knows what he's doing. And when he points his finger at your heart, you're done. When he says, that girl is mine, no one can stand in his way. What? It's going to happen. He's going to bring about that which he does every single time he begins the process. In fact, the process began before you were born. Before any creation occurred, God looked down to you and said, that one, I'm bringing him home. I'm going to show the world what love can do. It can enter into the worst of brokenness and bring about redemption and grace and good for eternity. And so we have this image of a God that is building a family. And we are called to join the fellowship of the broken. What does he say is the purpose of our predestination? Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers." Jesus entered into our brokenness to establish the way. He did actually say that. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so, he begins this drawing together of the broken. Of those who were devastated by the consequences of evil and sin in the world, and he brings them into the family of healing and grace and redemption. And this is all part of God's purpose in this world, that we come into this family, this fellowship of the broken, and that we reflect Christ in his suffering. You can't sell a book that's titled Go Show the World Who Jesus Is Through Suffering. <laughs> but this is exactly what we are called to do. As we struggle through the brokenness of life and God's redemption is realized in our hearts, we are actually showing this hurting and dark world what love looks like. 
what redemption is like. And as we enter into that and learn to love God through it all, hearts are turned, eyes are opened, and souls are changed. And so the family grows. We are to reflect Christ in his suffering, in our sufferings. And we are to know that God will always finish what he starts. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't hiccup. He doesn't blink. Sometimes it feels like he does. But the truth is, he's got this. He's got you. He's got me. Let me just say, if he can redeem this, you're good. All of us live in the devastation of brokenness, our own and or someone else's. God says, I love you. As a matter of fact, before you were ever created, I knew who you are. I knew your heart. I knew your soul. And I said from that moment, I love you and I will bring you all the way out of that state of brokenness to what I call home eternal. You are his. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we marvel at your love and the fact that your love handles everything that life can bring. That you have entered into our brokenness through your Son, Jesus Christ, and you have poured out your grace and forgiveness, mercy, and redemption that we might be drawn into this fellowship of the broken and be a part of growing your family here on earth. Lord, thank you for being the God who never relents in his love. That you have been pursuing our hearts since before there was time. And thank you that you promised to bring us all the way to completion in the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.